0: Welcome to the LifePoint Palm Bay Sermon Podcast. We encourage you to make copies of this message, but please don't charge for those copies. If you'd like to know more about LifePoint Palm Bay, please visit lifepointpb.com. And when you have a Bible or if you already have yours with you, if you electronic or or actual real one, um, you can turn over uh, to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. I say that, you know I'm joking, sort of. All right. And uh, all right. it is handy. You know, I even on occasion pull out my electronic Bible. All right. So I, 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 make, I make fun of you all, but I join you in it at times. Plus, the older you get, you can make it any size you want. And that's a helpful thing. So I had to tell this story on Lori uh, in the last six months or so her up-close eyesight is not as good as it once was. And so one night we're in bed and I'm doing something and I look over and she's reading next to me and she's got these readers on and I thought, when did I marry the librarian? And it just happens. It just happens. All right. Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to talk about fathers today. Now, if you've been following along in this series, you'd say, wait a second, I thought we were in Ephesians chapter 4. We are. Uh, we've taken a little break. I was gone and the others spoke. I appreciate Bob speaking while I was away. I uh, know God used him in a mighty way and heard from many of you how God used him. So appreciate that. Um, and then last week we did the Lord's Supper together. Uh, This week we're headed back to Ephesians, but I'm going to go ahead, because it's Father's Day, we're just going to skip ahead a couple chapters over to Ephesians chapter 6, and then we will make our way back to chapter 4 and continue on. Let me give you a little background before we read this passage in the beginning of chapter 6. Chapter 5, which obviously we haven't covered yet, chapter 5 is really all about marriage, about husbands and wives and the marriage relationship. And in a nutshell, I'm going to give you a one-sentence summary the God's plan for marriage is that it would be this modern-day parable this real-life drama of how much Jesus loves his church and how much the church loves Jesus and is willing to follow him that's what it is that's what marriage is supposed to be if you have a different definition of marriage you don't have God's definition because that's his definition that's his purpose and his plan You say, well, what about love and children? All those things are great. Those are all side benefits. But the number one priority of God when it comes to marriage is that you and I, those of us who are married, we would live out this drama, this modern-day parable, if you will, of how much Christ loves and was willing to sacrifice for his bride and how his bride responds to that love and follows him wholeheartedly. Now, with that picture we get to chapter six, and we introduce children into the scene, what I often refer to as romance killers, all right? <laughs> we love our children, all right? We do, but you know what I'm talking about, all right? All three of our kids were in pleasure, for his presence, pleasure in his presence this past weekend uh, for the first time. All three are teenagers now, well, Katie's graduated, but she was helping and serving. And so um, Lori and I had a couple days. It was just the two of us. We looked at it like, what? What are we going to do? All the, It was awesome. It was great. <laughs> it was good. Those of you with young children, hang in there. Hang in there. It's coming. All right. Children come along in chapter 6. So we have this drama in chapter 5 where God wants to display to the whole world how much Jesus loves the church and how the church loves and follows Jesus. And he gets to chapter 6 and he says, now here's the purpose for children. I want you as parents to be disciple makers. I want you, I'm giving you an up-close personal opportunity and responsibility to raise up followers of Jesus Christ the Lord doesn't want to fill the world with people he wants to fill the world with worshipers of him that's what he wants to fill the world with and so you and I have this opportunity to make disciples of these of these young ones and so it, we have that background as we get to chapter 6 verse 1 children obey your parents in the Lord don't just obey them for any old real obey them in the Lord This isn't just a man sort of thing. This isn't a social construct. This is God's desire and plan. Children, obey your parents. By the way, God wouldn't tell you to do it if it came naturally. He wouldn't have to. It doesn't come naturally to obey. It's something the Holy Spirit will have to produce in you. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with promise. What is the promise? That it may go well with you. And that you may live long in the land. All right? That's the first three verses. We're talking about children and parents. It talks about mother and father. But then verse 4, God changes gears, and he says, Fathers, we've been talking about moms and dads up to this point, and moms are still included in this. Obviously, moms shouldn't do the things here that fathers are told not to do. But God puts a special emphasis on fathers. Why? I think there are a couple of reasons for this. The scripture doesn't tell us exactly, but I, as I've been praying through this, I feel like there are a couple of reasons. Number one, dads, I feel like we bear a greater responsibility. Just like in the marriage, we have a greater responsibility for this covenant because we're the initiators of the covenant. So we also bear a greater responsibility in our children. Now that seems backwards to us because we know that moms have a relationship with our kids that we will never have, all right? We know there's something special about that mom-child relationship. He's not talking about that. He's not saying that we displace them or that we have a better relationship with them or a closer relationship or there's more nurturing. No, he's saying, you have a responsibility that I have given to you when it comes to your children. I don't want you to take it seriously. So he calls us out because, you know, guys, we would have been asleep otherwise. We kind of tuned out. He's talking to parents. My wife will get that, all right? All right. So he calls us out by name. Dads, fathers, I'm talking to you. Do not provoke your children to anger. Very specific. This is very close to Colossians chapter 3, verse 21. Verse 20 talks about children obeying parents, like we saw here in Ephesians 6. Verse 21, again, goes to fathers directly, and it says... To fathers, don't provoke your children or cause them to be discouraged. It doesn't talk about anger. It's a more general term of provoke. The the Greek word used for provoke in Colossians 3 could be for good or bad. We could provoke someone to love and good works, for example, in Hebrews. We can motivate them, encourage them to good things. So it's a general word that's used in in Colossians chapter 3 when it says don't provoke them so, so that they're discouraged, so they're disheartened really don't beat them down is what Colossians 3 is saying. Don't use your position and your place of honor as a parent to discourage the heart of your child. That's Colossians chapter 3. Fits in with this one. But this one's very specific. Don't cause them, don't cause them to have a rebellious anger that is unnecessary. Literally is what he's saying here. Don't treat them in such a way that it stir, there's enough anger to go around simply because you represent authority in their life, and apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, we all rebel against authority. He said there's enough anger, even if you do it the right way, that you're going to have to walk through, but do not provoke them. Do Be intentional about not stirring up unnecessary anger when it comes to your children. We're going to talk more about how to do that here in just a minute. So we have this command, this instruction. I think another reason that he uses anger specifically here and he talks to us as dads, I think it's easy sometimes. This doesn't mean that women don't get angry. They can get angry, all right? And so I don't want to speak too generically but I think often there are stereotypes for a reason and sometimes I believe it is easier. Matter of fact, many times it's easier for us as dads and fathers to get angry. That part of our parenting strategy is anger. I want to make you fear me. I mean, let's be honest. How many of you had at least a certain level of fear for your father? All right. I did. And I don't think he minded it a whole lot, quite honestly. But if we're not careful, we will grow up with the mindset that that's how we want to train our children, how we want to control our children, make them be what they're supposed to be, just make them afraid of me. Does your heavenly father treat you that way? No, he does not. Here's the thing, dads. Just like marriage is supposed to be this this modern life drama, so that everyone looking on can see how much Christ loves his church and how much the church loves and follows Jesus, dads, he's saying, I want you, I know you're not perfect, and you cannot do it perfectly, but I want you on earth to represent me, the Heavenly Father. I want your children to begin to discover who I am because they know you, because they watch you. And you say, well, Troy, I can't do that. I I get that. Neither can I, not in our own strength. This is supernatural work that God does by the power of his Spirit. That's the reason in the previous chapter it talked about being filled with the Spirit. Because you're not going to do any of this. You're not going to have your marriage be a drama for the world to see how much Christ loves the church and you love and follow Christ that's not going to happen apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. And you're not going to be the parent, you're not going to be the father or the mother that you need to be apart from the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't. You will naturally do the wrong thing and think it's right. So don't provoke them, the Scripture says. Now, some of you are sitting here and saying, wait, well, this is for fathers, and since I'm not a father biologically and I can tune out. This, one, this one's not for me today. The Apostle Paul makes it really clear in other places that when he talks about fatherhood, he's not just talking about biological children. So you may not have children yet. You may be past the point of actually being engaged in raising children, your grandparent age or great-grandparent age, or what and or you never had children of your own. But the call number one, is you can be that in someone else's life. As a matter of fact, Romans chapter 16, verse 13, the end of that great treatise, the book of Romans, this doctrinal statement that the apostle Paul writes, he gets to the end and he's giving some greetings. And so in chapter 16, verse 13, he says, Rufus, he says, greet Rufus. He's chosen in the Lord and greet his mother as well because she was a mother to me also. He wasn't Paul's actual mother, but he said Rufus' mother was this godly woman, and she was a mother to me, even though she wasn't my biological mother. So there's a picture that we have of the Apostle Paul where he's giving this idea, you can be this in a child's life that wasn't born to you biologically. Many of you do that now. You have the privilege, the opportunity. We have the calling, the responsibility. I want every child when they're around me, not just my three children, to see God at work in me, to see the Heavenly Father in me. That's our desire, that's our goal. And then there's the spiritual aspect of this. 1 Corinthians 4. Paul says, you have a lot of guides but not many fathers. But he said, I want you to know I was a father to you because of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So there's a spiritual aspect to this. So today, this message is for all of us. You're a man here today. This message is for you. I want you to hear what the Lord is saying to us. Be a living demonstration of who Heavenly Father is on this earth so that your children will begin to understand who I am and my character based on what they see in you. Now, I prayed a lot about this message, and I could give you a whole lot, I need you to go do this, and go do this, and let's go do this, and let's purpose to do this, and we're going to do this better, and we, we could come up with all kinds of lists, and I could beat you up a little bit. Normally, we're really kind with, on Mother's Day to moms, and then we beat dads up. Somehow, we think that's the right pattern. Um, that really wasn't where the Lord led me today, was to come in and beat you up over what you're not doing. <laughs> I appreciate that, amen, brother. (laughs) So, I I want you to understand we're growing in all this. Wherever you are in your fatherhood, it wasn't long ago, sometime in the last year, I was talking with my kids, and we were talking about me as their father, and younger, in their younger days and now, and they all, the consensus was that I'm a better dad now than I was then, and, uh, which I'm grateful for that consensus. There's some growth there, so we can change, we can get better. And in talking to them, uh, all of them, it's like, well, what makes me better now than I was then? And um, all of them referred to um, you don't get angry as much. You're not as loud. Or They didn't use the word, but I knew what they were trying to say. You don't try to dominate us by your sheer presence. I'm a big man. I have a big voice. I have a big personality. I figure if you don't want to submit, I'll just make you submit. (laughs) My heavenly father's way bigger than me, and he did not do that to me. He did not treat me that way. So, I want to share with you rather than tell you all the things you should be doing, or that you're not doing, or that I'm not doing, I want to share with you four things that the Lord has stirred in my heart through the years the ways I want to represent their Heavenly Father to my children. I share these with you not that they have to be yours, but they may give you an idea because I would challenge each of you as men to sit down with the Lord and say, Father, how do you want me to represent you? What are the priorities you want me to have in my life so that I represent you well to my children and to any children that you allow me to have impact on? The first one... Simply, I want my kids to know that knowing God is a priority for me Monday through Saturday. I'll say that again. I want my children to see in me that knowing God is a priority Monday through Saturday. You say, What about Sunday? Sunday's a given. Sunday, we do out of habit. Sunday, I mean, in my case, I kind of have to be here, all right? I won't get any brownie points for that. I want them to know Monday through Saturday that God is my priority. Knowing him is a priority in my life. And it is reflected in how I view money and how we spend money. It's reflected in my hobbies. It's reflected in my viewing habits. It's reflected in my relationships with their mother. It's reflected in my relationship with them. God is a priority every other day of the week, not just on Sunday. See, Sunday is one of those things for many of us. We've done it so long, we wouldn't know how to not do it. It doesn't mean it's not meaningful or important, but it's not the real test. The real test is what they see day to day. Do they know? I mean, I can tell them God's a priority, but if they, do they know by the way that I actually live each day that he is? Do we talk about God at all in our life and family and seek his counsel and his wisdom any other time than Sunday? Do we have conversations? Do I have conversations with my kids where we're we're facing things and then we come and we stop and say, "I I wonder what Jesus thinks about this? What if we ask him what he thinks about this? It's not complicated. But I promise you, it will reorganize your life if you say and really mean and really believe that you want your knowing God, your relationship with God, to be the single primary priority of your life. It will change everything else in your life. I promise you, it will. Now, you say, Troy, I have messed that up royally. You might say that about any of these things that I'm going to share, share with you. So have I. If you ask my children, they will tell you, I have messed this up many times. There have been many times in my life and as their father where I haven't demonstrated that God was a priority. That doesn't mean, and here's, the, here's what I love about grace, what has been is not an indicator of what will be. I am not a prisoner to what was. I am set free for what will be. I saw a, a stat the other day. I did not know this. Do you realize that within two weeks, after you st- if you're a smoker and you stop smoking, that within two weeks you begin to have better lung function? Within two weeks? I did not know that. Within six months, your breathing is restored almost to normal. After a year of not smoking, your heart, your, your risk of heart attack has dropped significantly. And within two to three years, your chance of having a stroke, which is a big deal when you're a smoker, but your chance of having a stroke after two to three years once you stop has, has gone back down. So you are no more likely to have a stroke than a non-smoker, someone who's never smoked in their whole life. I did not know that. Did you guys know that? Now, this is not a message about smoking. It's a picture of God's mercy and grace that he has built within us. He says, what you have done is not an indicator of what I will do. I will do things in your life. I will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. I'll give beauty for ashes. So wherever you have been on any of these things, that's then, this is now. Today's a new day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where God says, I apply my grace and my mercy to that. And I do a new thing. I want my kids to see that God, knowing God is my priority Monday through Saturday. The second thing is, I want them to know that God can be trusted even when it looks like he can't. In my life, in our lives, the best way we've found to do this is to to involve our kids in tough stuff. I've not really ever tried to shield my kid. There are some things that are age appropriate and obviously... But I have never wanted to shield my children from the, the hard realities of life. I want them to see. I've never shielded them from death. I've never, when people die. I've never shielded them from situations that might arise in the church. Now again, there are, cert, there are certain information, things that are appropriate and age appropriate, and that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm saying is I want my children to walk with me and walk with Lori and I as we go through these times where we have to trust God even though it seems like he's not doing what he's supposed to do. And my experience has been the best way to do that is just to let them do life with you. Somehow this notion has come along with our kids that they have to always be protected, and we should protect them. There are some things we probably would be protecting them from we're not. But some of the things we are protecting them from we maybe shouldn't be. To allow them to walk with us and understand. You know, one of the great challenges my kids always had, and I'll, I'll never forget this, is when I would teach them that something is not right, we don't do it, or we don't believe God wants us to do, it, or it's not appropriate to do, and then other people would do it, and they would see it, and then they go, oh, Dad, and then it's really bad when they're little, because they're like, Dad, look at them, what they're doing, you know, and it's like, shh, shh. <laughs> You know? And they had this, they they could not figure this out. Dad, you told us we weren't supposed to do it, but they're doing it. And I said, Let me teach you another lesson in life. There are going to be many times where God calls you to walk and follow Him when other people don't join you in that walk. Well, that doesn't seem right and fair. Absolutely. God can be trusted when it doesn't seem like He can be. I want them to see that, I want them to experience it every day. He can be trusted. He's real. He's good. Even when bad things happen, He's good. Tell them the stories of your life, the good and the bad. I'll never forget a number of years ago we were doing a series here and we were talking about relationships and moral purity. And I knew that in the course of that message that God was going to have me share some personal things out of my life that my kids weren't really aware of. They were, had been young up to that point, but they were getting older now. And I remember sitting down with them, Lori and I sitting down together and saying, you know, as I share this message, I'm going to share some stories. And there, there was a time in my life as a young man where I wasn't morally pure, where I did not follow God's standard. Now, there is grace and mercy, and there was a repentance, and God has done some incredible things because that's who He is. That's the kind of God that He is. But I didn't want to hide from them the, the truth and the reality. Again, I didn't have to go into a lot of detail, but enough for them to understand, I don't, t- I don't put these, these requests or these boundaries around you arbitrarily. I understand the danger that's there. I understand the temptation that's there. I understand the appeal of the world. Anybody says that sin isn't appealing, they've never done the right sin. All right? It is appealing for a small amount of time. There is pleasure in sin for a season. And then there's a whole lot that's not pleasurable. But you've got to understand that. That's part of fatherhood, guys. We have messed up. Don't hide it. Don't flaunt it. Show God's grace in it. Number three, the third one. I want them to be passionate about biblical truth, but I want them to become passionate when sharing it with others. I'll say that again. I want them to be passionate about biblical truth, but I want them to become passionate when it comes to sharing it with others. Don't beat people up with the truth. First of all, it doesn't work. Secondly, that's not an accurate representation of our Heavenly Father. That's not who he is. He could beat us up. Now, some of you may be living under a theology that says, yeah, when I mess up, bad things happen, and that's God getting me. I would say that I understand why you have that theology, it's, but it's not correct according to Scripture. You say, what do you mean? Can you show me where Abraham sinned or violated God's law that caused he and Sarah to be barren. Can you show me? There's no record of that. Now he was a pagan, obviously he didn't know God, but when God spoke to him he responded. matter of fact, he's the father of faith. But he still didn't have, he and Sarah didn't have a child in a culture where that was awful. As a matter of fact, in a culture where basically everybody felt like you have disappointed the gods in some way and they have cursed you and that's why you don't have a child. God had a different plan for Abraham and Sarah. Job, show me where. God bragged on Job. Look, have devil, have devil, go look at Job. He's a perfect man. He's an upright man who loves me and hates evil. Go to the New Testament the Apostle Paul, where he pleads in 2 Corinthians. Lord, this thorn in the flesh, this thing, this messenger of Satan that buffets me, would you please take it away? And the Lord says, I'll do something better than take it away. I will give you more grace. My grace is more than enough. It's more than sufficient for what you need. See, I know that depending on your church background or even just your understanding of God, it's easy to fall into a theology when bad things happen in our life that God's somehow getting me. And there, are, there is cause and effect. There are consequences of sin. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm telling you that the grace of God... It's greater. It's more. It's greater. In my own life, I have seen the consequences of sin. I've also seen the grace of God applied. And I've seen what he's done, the fruit that he brings afterward. And all I can say is he is a great, awesome God. But you need to hang on to biblical truth. You need to be passionate about it. There are things that about that God has revealed to me, I am passionate about, but I cannot beat my children with that truth. I mean, I can, I shouldn't. My father didn't do that to me. My heavenly Father did not do that to me. He didn't beat me with the truth. He compelled me by his love. I'm gonna give you an example. I think my Elizabeth always tells me, Dad, give it more examples, it helps. So here's an example. Lori and I have a biblical belief about tithing and giving. We believe it, have experienced it, have lived it, believe it's part of God's calling in our lives. And I don't believe it's Old Testament law. I believe that the concept predates the law. Abraham was told to tithe, or he tithed, 400 years before the law. I believe it predates it. I believe you have it Old and New Testament, this idea of bringing to God the first fruit. Really, the principle is first fruits. We call it tithing, and it's a biblical term, but it's the idea of first fruits. The first of my increase I bring to God. Why? It reminds me that it all belongs to him, and it expresses my gratefulness to him and it allows me to trust him for all that is to come so I see all of this is bound up in it and so Lori and I we have story after story of God's faithfulness in our life because we have trusted him and been givers when he asked us to give regularly when we receive income and then at special times when it was not regular and it hurt a whole lot more all right and by the way if you trust God in this way he will call you to things and it hurts at times You will have to trust Him. So I believe in this. I have seen God's faithfulness. I don't believe that God's sitting there saying, if you don't do it, I'm going to get you. You don't tithe, you got a flat tire this week. Whoop, whoop, there goes your AC. I don't believe God does that, okay? I don't preach that, I don't teach that way. That is manipulation. I would not do that to you because I would not be a good representation of my Heavenly Father. However, I do believe that there are are things that God does in you when you trust him this way that you may not experience any other way so with that belief and very strongly we have shared that with our children number of occasions we shared stories with them we've talked about this whole principle of tithing giving but you can pull all three of my kids I have never once forced them to give anything I don't even bring it up that much occasionally I will remind them this is something that's a principle that your mom and I really believe in and we have seen God work because of it and we would encourage you to spend time with the Lord and wrestle with that yourself and come to a place. And usually I will get from one of them, usually my son, well, Dad, give me any money, I'll be happy to give that, all right? I'm more than happy to give God your money, all right? By the way, I don't recommend that you give your children money to give to God. Now, if you want to hand them your tithe or whatever and let them put it in a plate, I mean, it's kind of like when you know, they're little and everybody wants to push the buttons on the elevator. You know, Yeah, let them, let them do that, okay? That's fine. But don't train them to expect that you're going to give them money that they can give to God because then you train them to do what David said we should never do and that is to offer the Lord that which cost us nothing. Don't train them to offer to the Lord that which cost them nothing. Out of their income, out of their increase, they give to the Lord. Here's the point. These are truths, and, there, and there, there are hundreds of examples I could use, but these are truths that I hold firmly, and I believe them, and I teach them. I teach them, but I don't force them. I don't beat my children with them. I pray for the... I can't tell you how many times where I've had conversations with my kids and I knew they were lying to me. I knew they were lying. We just know. It's, it's parent radar. It's, it's paydar or whatever. I don't know, whatever, whatever you call it, but it's a parent radar that God gives you. You just know they're lying to you. They're not great liars at that age yet, usually. And you just know it. And I used to try to force them to tell me the truth. And God began to do this wor- continuing to do this work in me and bring me to the place to say, Troy, how do I do it with you? I, I gently come in. And I convict by the power of my spirit. I point those things out and then you have the decision to respond or not. And so with my kids, to, to move from that place of, hey, you're not telling me the truth. I try to force an issue to simply say, okay, you're telling me that and you're telling me it's the truth. Okay, we'll take that and let's just pray. If there's anything that's not true, the Holy Spirit, he would reveal that. I have done that so often with my kids in recent years. I have without exception. Now, there may come a day where there's but I have without exception, seen the Holy Spirit work in them and then come and say, Dad, I didn't tell you the truth. Really? So, and then I didn't like, I told you. So. No, no, don't do that. That's provoking them to anger. All right. Well, what did you not tell me that wasn't true? And you begin to walk through that process and say, you know, I'm grateful that you came back and you were honest. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit was doing something in you. That's why. So let's go to Him and repent to Him because we weren't honest to begin with and thank Him for His faithfulness in our life. And then figure out what we need to do from here. By the way, I don't beat my children with the truth. At least I try not to. But I cannot always protect them from the consequences of their decisions. So that brings me to the last point. I could have dozens of these and we'll stop with four. I want my children to know because my Heavenly Father does this for me that I will love them with all my heart forever and always no matter what. I will not necessarily agree with all their decisions nor can I support them in all of them. But I will love them with all of my heart, forever and always, no matter what. Now, it's important that we understand in this that that love doesn't mean I try to shield them or protect them from naturally God-ordained consequences of their wrong choices. Sometimes they have to bear those. And I walk with them and I love them. I don't chide them. I don't keep pointing it out. I remind them of the faithfulness of God that if we will turn, if we will repent, we will experience His grace. We experience it anyway, but we will really get to experience it. I want them to see it. I want them to see that if they'll allow me, I will walk through with them no matter what. Again, I may not like where we are, I may not like where they are I may not agree with it and again I will never tell them I agree with it when I don't agree with it I won't pretend that it's okay when it's not okay but I will love you the scripture there in Ephesians says bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord Uh, some, some translations say the instruction admonishment there are different terms that are used here but I believe that those two terms reveal two th- two responses that we can have as fathers. One is an indifference and an indulgence. You do not benefit your children if you indulge them. Or you're indifferent to them. The problem is we often jump to the other extreme, and the scripture addresses this one too we're too harsh in domineering with them. You don't benefit them either if you're too harsh. The place that I want to walk is under the power of the Spirit with my Heavenly Father to be able to say, I'm not going to indulge, I'm not going to be indifferent, but I don't want to be harsh and critical and overbearing. Neither of those represent my Heavenly Father. I'm going to ask Ben and Nina to come back up, and I want to show you, I think there's a video clip back there, Joy. And if you want, you can go ahead and start playing it. I remember this specifically. Some of you have seen this, Derek Redmond. This was the 1992, this was in uh, Barcelona. I remember it because I had just gotten home from Russia and uh, I was sick, I was really sick and in bed sick. So I was watching a lot of the Olympics and right here Derek grabs his hamstring and he pulls up. Now he was the, he was the record holder for Great Britain in the 400 meter which is what he's running here and of course he pulls up lame. I remember watching this I was laying in bed recovering from being really really ill and I also remember this he's he's determined he's going to finish and so he's he's limping carrying on and um, I thought to myself he's he's going to hurt himself more and But there was this part of him as a runner and he trained so hard. I got to finish this thing. And then you see, I'm thinking at first, who in the world is that man? And why are they letting him on? And that is his father. That's his dad. Look at the anguish on his face. His dad cannot fix that. He cannot take away the pain. He cannot change the results of that race. He cannot fix what is wrong in that situation. He can do only what he is doing right there, which is, I got you. I'll walk with you. (laughs) See it? Ignore some of that other stuff, all right? Don't you love it when he shoo's him away? He's going to do it again. Just go away. I got him. I love that picture. It's one of about six videos that I've looked at over and over again through my life get away I got him we're going to finish this together that is a human representation of our earthly our heavenly father I can't fix what's wrong but I'm with you I'll walk with you I'll pray for you I'll lift you up where I can. We'll do this together. I want you to bow your heads with me. Life usually isn't pretty. And a lot of the races that we train for, we don't finish the way we thought we would. Our children are like us. They're flawed. And they're going to do things that hurt us and disappoint us. They're going to make mistakes. And it's going to break your heart as a parent. But in that moment, you and I, dads, we have the opportunity to be a picture of our Heavenly Father. Say, I'm here. I love you with all my heart forever and always no matter what. If you're a man here today whether you have children, biological children or not. Maybe you're a father or grandfather. Maybe you don't have kids yet. Maybe you're still a young man. And you have the opportunity to be an influence on even younger kids, younger boys. You get to be in that role of a father. And your desire this morning is I know I'm not perfect, I know I've messed up, and I will mess up, but by God's grace and the power of His Spirit, I want to represent my Heavenly Father well to my children and to any children that I have influence over. If that's your heart and your desire, if you share that desire with me, can I ask you to stand where you are? Any man, any age, if that's your desire, would you stand right where you are? I want to pray for you and pray for me. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for these men as they stand. Lord, we're not perfect. We're well aware of that. We have messed up, all of us. We will mess up again. And yet, Lord, we stand here today believing that there's a call on our life. A call that we take seriously, which is we have the privilege in some small way to represent who you are to our children and to other children, of what father daddy looks like, how he responds. So Lord, today we ask that you would empower us, fill us with your spirit on a moment-by-moment, day-by-day basis, Would you cause us, Lord, to be aware that when our words don't line up with you, would you make us aware? When our actions don't line up with you, would you make us aware? Lord, when our responses are not your response, would you show us? Lord, when we mess up, would you give us the humility to be able to acknowledge, even to our children, I messed up. I'm sorry. I was wrong. But God's faithfulness and His grace, He forgives me. I'm asking you to forgive me, and let's walk this thing together. Lord, help us. Help us live life this way. Help us be like Derek's dad. I don't care who's watching. I don't care what the stage is. When you're broken down When you're under it, when it's all falling apart, I'll be there. I'll walk with you. I'll cry out to our Heavenly Father on your behalf. I'll love you no matter what. Some of the men and women in this room never experienced that from a father, that's not their experience. And so I'm praying today, Lord, even the men who are standing, if they never saw it from a dad, that you today would allow them to recognize they have it in you. Even if we didn't have it in an earthly father, we have it in you. And that today they would start the beginning of new generations, multiple generations that would be different than what they knew. That they would declare that they would today, they would... They would hammer a stake here and say, this day, starting now, by the power of God in my life, it will be different for future generations. Lord, break the chains and the bondage of the past. Break every influence of the enemy in the name and the blood of Jesus Christ. From this day moving forward, we will represent our Heavenly Father. Lord, we praise you and we thank you for what you're doing. We give you glory and praise in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. Won't you all stand with me? When we dismiss in a few minutes, we always have prayer partners scattered around. If we can pray with you about anything that's going on in your life, no matter what it is, it's a privilege. Let us do that before you leave today. But it just seems appropriate that we would worship we'd worship the one who has loved us exactly the way we talked about this morning. He's loved us unconditionally. He loved us when we didn't love him. When we were his enemies, he died for us. Jesus died for us.